Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! On the mic in top left, the ageless man old enough to have witnessed the miracle on ice, the MOB CBA's biggest fan and weirdly enjoys letting everyone know that his name is spelt with a C, Justin Chevalella! In the top right, the magic ball head of wisdom, Mitch Trubisky expert, and even though he's a director of the station, does his best work in his car on the way home, Grand C. In the bottom right, the Seattle Kraken's voice of the station behind Jacob Cheris spends most of his time screaming at whatever the host says, and has been successfully migrated to the talk show of the year, the Kevin Durant of phone booth, Josh Partizan. And lastly, the man, or really the thing, behind it all. The man who said he wanted new guests on each episode, and now does it with the same three, the worst takes in the college, and research expert on Jerry Rice, Joe Callahan. Junior, it's phone booth season three, and we're going for a dynasty. Take it. Welcome all back to phone booth with the original four minus one. We do not have Josh on the studio. He's on his way to Auburn for the Penn State-Auburn football game tomorrow. You can listen to that here live on Com Radio. But right now you're getting three-fourths of Phone Booth. I'm here with regular co-host Grant Sheets and Justin Chevalella. How are you guys, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing great, but Joe, um, I'm just going to put it out there. You owe me a few bucks. Um, I owe you a few bucks. You owe me a few bucks. I went Did, out was of this my your lunch tip. I went out of my way to get here today because I my out of your way. My friendly co-host to my left, Grant Sheets, put up the uh, State College Little Lions football that I'm calling, and he is sending me all the way to Altoona, which is a nice 45 minute ride, and I have to be there an hour and a half early. Not really complaining. I, I want to call some football, but with that. I didn't think I'd have enough. I originally had texted you guys, obviously, saying that I was was going to leave early. But then I didn't trust my abilities to leave here on time because we never leave on time. And then go get my car, then go back and change and get the equipment. So instead, this afternoon, I went, got my car ready, ran some errands. And then I am now parked on the street, metered parking. It cost me $2 for an hour and a half, so we cannot go past... 448 because if I do I am getting a boot a ticket or toad one of the above so because you created the show I believe you owe me two dollars I owe you money for coming to a prior engagement that you already knew about yes because that's my fault yes I could blame it on Grant but I don't want to blame it on Grant so two dollars wait 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 I mean, I understand. I understand that that there was an episode or two before Grant with just me, but like, 
You say in Why the intro. Why is this on either of us? You say in the intro that you are the man behind it all. So I figured if I'm you're the, the man thing, behind it all, the, the thing, thing behind, behind it, all. it all. So if you, <laughs> the thing behind. So I just think uh, two dollars to my Venmo and everything will work out. All right. Listen, I don't know about you're that. Really one. hurting after poker last night. <laughs> a little bit. I don't. I I don't know about that at all. But we we got a show to do. If you're uh, if you're ready to get to work, <laughs> oh, I'm ready. All right. So should I send the bill to your secretary? Listen, I got like eight of them. You have to figure out which eight phone secretaries? to text. Listen, it's a it's it's a busy man. I got eight different roads, eight different avenues. Right, so well, you got to find the phone booth. I'm one. just joking. I'm glad I figured out a plan that allows me to be here the entire time, um, especially with Josh not here. Yeah, so maybe you can actually talk so that he he doesn't yell at me after everything. Josh I isn't say. the one who interrupts me every time, though. I mean, but he he also wastes time by yelling at me, which does make for great ratings. We also I'm don't have a fair um, mediator now between the Giants and Commander Fan. We do. We not. don't. We don't have a mediator. We do not. That's Just why. That's why this week fan. is NFC East week, but we'll get to that in a bit. Right now, we're going to run through some some news points. Uh, we call it speed dial. Um, we do not have the uh, the sound clips ready yet. I will try to get them for next week. But we're going to start with the NBA and ownership issues. Um, the Phoenix Suns team owner, Robert Sarver, suspended for one year, fined $10 million after the NBA investigation that lasted 10 months. And it was about... Allegations made against him by numerous people who had worked for the Suns organization. The league will also require Sarver to complete workplace training program. Seems a little late for that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like 10 months really uh, really came to that. And it's not... I'm, I'm trying to look for the reason why and what they were investigating. Racist and sexist conduct. I I just wanted the specifics. I don't don't know if there's a need for it. I think the moment that comes out, and if you look at the comments that some of these players are um, coming out and saying, it's clearly worse than what it's been portrayed to us because Chris Paul came out, said that that's not enough. I believe LeBron James touched on it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. LeBron's not connected to the Suns at all. I Clearly, there's more behind it, and I think what might be the biggest issue here is Adam Silver trying to back his way out of it and go, mm-hmm. well, I can't do anything. I can't force him to sell. Because it, it, well, here's the precedent. To be fair, he, he can't force him to sell, yeah. but he can open up a further investigation that gets the other owners involved and the owners just like what could happen to Dan Snyder in Washington the owners could vote them out the issue is the owners are all kind of on the same page and might never vote anyone else out because it opens the door for other allegations inside of their own workplace that could come out so yes Adam Silver can you force him out no could you further the uh, suspension absolutely Mm -hmm. you can and can you start to possibly do a vote with the other uh, owners to get him out? Yes. But is that going to happen? No. Well, it's the other thing is if they do force him to sell, question mark or exclamation point, I don't really know what that sets the precedent for in the future. Because then if, if Adam Silver doesn't like a team owner's comments about, you know, the play on, on the court or, you know, his conducts or, hey, you know, say Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks tank, just because his name is on my head, and they like 
go over to Mark Cuban and be like, hey, listen, your team's not bringing any ratings. You haven't had success in a while. Uh, sell the team. See, but th- th- we're talking two completely different situations here. The well, whole it does thing open with- the door for, for forcing owners to sell the team. Well, look, I mean, but not for play and course, not yeah. for stuff like that. When there's behind-the-scenes stuff going on that, you know, obviously we're not fully involved with it. They haven't released everything. But when there's a lot more behind it, play on the court, criticizing referees, criticizing other owners, that's going to happen. It's when it becomes a big issue when there's sexism and racism involved, which is the case here, that's when it shouldn't be a question of can we remove him, should we remove him. It should almost automatically open up a vote to see see if the other owners want to vote him out. And that's what you would think, but then you look at other leagues and they fail to do so. Roger Goodell has seemingly brushed a lot of stuff under the carpet for years now when it comes to Dan Snyder, other guys. Uh, Stephen Ross, even for a while, was covered up for a little bit. But I personally, I think Adam Silver made the right call here to at least suspend, suspend him for a season. Because, look, I mean, he could have waited for some more things to come out, but he saw enough. He saw enough to go ahead and lay the hammer down and say, hey, you got to step aside. You know, we'll hand you a find as well. But Compared to other leagues, I think Silver, he's always looking for justification for each issue, whereas guys like Goodell, there's a lot of gray areas. I mean, we've seen Dan Snyder, of course I'm biased because I'm a Commanders fan, but we've seen Dan Snyder seemingly get away with dozens of accusations over the past few years. A handful of other guys. I mean, there's even been some stuff with Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft. I know that he obviously got hit with his thing, but it's taken more time. We've we heard about this in the news a couple months ago. Adam Silver cracked down on it, handed him a suspension. And I mean this could be just the beginning of something more to come. If more comes to the surface, then Adam Silver may open it up to where he may have to go and sell the team. So I think the NBA is in better hands, honestly, when it comes to stuff like this, matters with suspensions, conduct, all that, because there's seemingly no gray area, and that's what matters when it comes to a professional organization. I want to know how this affects the team and play, because obviously when you look at, at, at the Phoenix Suns, they're a contending team nonetheless, because you have a veteran. I mean, they, they've also been in the playoffs before, in and out of. They made the finals two years ago, and you have Chris Paul, veteran point guard, hungry for a championship since... He stepped on the court, and especially now since it's towards the end. Um, Devin Booker, all-star uh, shooting guard that's on the cover of NBA 2K now. DeAndre Ayton, who's a... a, a Ayton's pretty, a pacer now. Yeah. All... all well, no, 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 like no, no, no. Because he, he... They matched his contract. So the Suns retained him. I thought he signed the, um, he signed the offer no, sheet, no? The offer sheet, but... Uh, yes, that's he right. Yeah, back. they did. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. You're right. So Aiton is that guy who's, I mean, obviously was a little bit unhappy. As you see, he's exploring other options mm-hmm. uh, other than just extending with the Suns yeah. right off the bat. But, I mean, again, he's an all-star talent right there from being a, a, a superstar in in that respect. He's just the third option, and he's, he's yeah. very efficient. So I want to know. Macau Bridges, Jay Crowder. Yeah. I, I want to know how this cuz at, at the most it's going to be a distraction i don't really know as entails to what happens on the court that 
Sarver had any influence on. But we've seen people like Mark Cuban in, in the league have a lot of, you know, say, well, what happens on the court. So I, I want to know what happens. Well, see, personally, I, I understand where you're getting at, but honestly, it didn't sound like he was any sort of player's favorite. So now that he's, he's out of the building, I feel like, honestly, it might be a burden lifted off of a lot of those Suns players' shoulders, considering, you know, say you come back from a loss, you're headed back to the office, and you got to run into Mr. Garver. When you're coming back in, it just it doesn't make anything better mm-hmm. considering that. I mean, it didn't seem like players liked him a whole lot. So now that all of those and of course, the players probably had an idea of what was going on in the building and with some of these allegations. But obviously nothing was brought to light for a while. So for me, I think for the players, it honestly, I mean, it surely wouldn't hurt for this to all go down how it has. If anything, I think it's probably something lifted off their shoulders. Like, oh, okay, he's finally gone. We don't have to worry about that. We're a clean organization now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And obviously more will come out when we get to see the Phoenix Suns on the court to see what actually transpired. But to shift gears back into where our show is going to go. Actually, you want to want, since we're doing, I, I was going to switch up the order just because it was on my mind and I thought that this topic right here was going to spark something in our uh our fandoms over here, but I, I think I'm going to keep it clean with the rest of the show being mostly about the NFL. Um, to ship a little bit into the MLB, we obviously know that uh, the MVP race is but pretty much down between two, if no, not no, one person. It's one. Yeah. Um, Aaron Judge, 57 home runs, was asked after playing the Boston Red Sox if the Red Sox would have been an option if he does not re-sign with the Yankees, and instead of either shoving it off, saying, oh, they're a great organization, we'll just have to see, he simply put, we'll talk about that at the end of the season. And he's been doing it all season, though. It's He is the guy that you want leading your team because he's not answering his personal contract uh, questions. He's not caring about his record. Sure. Maybe behind the scenes he cares about all this. I'd assume he does. But when right in front of the media, and there's not many who can handle this New York media the way Aaron Judge has handled it. And you really saw that in the docuseries about Jeter. They are tough. And every single time Judge gets asked about it, it's, I don't care, I'm just happy we won today. Or, I don't care, we needed to win this game. Aaron Judge has yet to answer any of these contract questions I can't say truthfully. I mean, maybe he, I'd assume it's all truthful, but in a way that leads anywhere. At the All-Star break, Marley Rivera went straight up to him and asked him and tried to put a pity story on him about a kid who really wants uh, Derek Jeter, wow, Aaron Judge to return to the Yankees and this and this, and Judge just goes, well, we'll have to see. There's a lot of great players on this Yankee team. He doesn't care about what the media is portraying. He doesn't care about the narratives they're trying to push. He's going to go out there and he wants to win a... Uh, championship. He said it the other day. He said that, yeah, the records are cool and all, but what do all the guys who are, have those records have in common? They're winners and have titles. And as a Yankee, you are kind of, it almost feels like you're you not. to a, a different standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it almost feels like you're not a real Yankee if you don't finish your career with yeah. a World Series because there's not many eras where guys haven't come out with rings. And sure, it's been a little bit of a drought, but do they have a chance to change that this year? Yes. Do I think they're going to do it this year? No. But what Aaron Judge is doing is 
na- uh, navigating the media the right way. He's not putting these questions about, um, you know, sure, he said that Boston has great fans, but he's also said that about literally every team. And he said that the Yankee fans are the greatest in the world. So what Judge is doing is navigating the media and trying to keep the distraction out because if he opens up at some point and goes and says something along the lines of, yeah, I'm looking to go here or there. Honestly, the Yankees have treated me poorly. I'm going to leave. Like, if he says that, season's over because now all of his teammates have to answer questions about it. Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, Hal Steinbrenner is going to have to get involved, which he doesn't like getting involved. So all these guys are going to have to get involved, and Judge doesn't want that. He doesn't want his personal stuff to affect the team. He's exactly the type of guy that you want to name captain and that you want leading your team the entire way. He's handled it very professionally. Uh, When you look at how sports have changed over the past decade with players, I mean, money has been the main concern. You look at the whole NFL wave these past three years, the era of unfollowing your team on social media and then letting the fans go crazy about it, and then your team says, hey, well, we don't want to upset the fans. We ought to pay this guy. That's kind of been the new thing around sports leagues. NBA, it's happened NFL, it's happened. MLB, not so much, and that's where Aaron Judge comes into play. A guy like him, amid a historic season, he's still remaining humble, and he's got his eyes on the main prize because, like you said, there haven't been many eras of superstar Yankee players that haven't come away with a ring. It just it hasn't happened. So he knows that this team does have a chance, and like you said, who knows if it'll actually come to fruition, but his team's there. He's the superstar. He's in the middle of this run, and he knows that he's going to get paid regardless by somebody. But I think the matter is now he wants to go win a championship with the Yankees, and he's in the right hands to do so. Yeah, I thought that I was going to get a sort of anecdotal piece about how Aaron Judge is gone from from especially Justin. And I agree wholeheartedly with Justin because I, I think the media, what it's doing now is it's taking – him not saying something good about the Yankees as a, a write-off that he's leaving. Meanwhile, he does the yeah. same thing to the Yankees, and they don't they don't put the press in and say, "Hey, Aaron Judge says the Yankees are uh, are uh, the best fans in the world and the best organization." That means he's staying. They never do that. But anything he says about the the Red Sox, the Rays, the Orioles, the Mets, everyone that he he, he goes down the line and saying, "Hey." These guys show interest in you. What do you say about them? Uh, let's let's talk about that when the time comes to it. He's not yeah. saying anything to anyone, and the media is taking that as he's hurting the Yankees. What's amazing is that, like you're saying, like the media takes it as he's hurting the Yankees, yeah. but in reality, he's helping them a lot because uh. there's a lot of guys right now on this Yankee team that would not be on a normal Yankee team back in the days of winning, the Jeter days. A lot of these guys, they're not around on a regular Yankee team. And to be honest, I feel like I haven't seen a regular Yankee team. Like, George's era has been over for a while, and I don't really remember it. He was there for a few years, but I was super young. So really, when you look at it, I would say that these guys that are here aren't the type of player for the Yankees. IKF... Even Donaldson, um, Aaron Hicks, um, <laughs> Rizzo fits well, LeMahieu, even LeMahieu, because he's not a big 
mm-hmm. personality. The Yankees have always been personality. And so I think the best thing for Judge is to do exactly what he's doing now. And it's clearly not hurting him because he's doing great. Mm-hmm. And it's not really hurting the Yankees. I know they've been up and down, but I think they're going to be fine. I think it's going great with what he's saying. And I, it's nice because he is frustrating the media with his mm-hmm. answers and it's the perfect storm yeah I also think that when when you look at the teams that the Yankees have won with there's always you know you speak to personalities and I think that there's always that one dude in really any New York sport that's that personality that just consummate professional and that's what judges always been I mean you see it throughout the 60s with with Maris and Mantle they were going back and forth but Man- Mantle was kind of that that boisterous personality and Maris just kind of sat down and did his work y- you go back and forth with DiMaggio all, all that run of him being a conscient professional then you have that guy I mean if you want to go to the, the documentary Jeter Jeter was always that guy that was that personality but always a professional when you even you had a rod on that team you had you know other other factors that played into it I believe that judge is that one piece that's that business professional guy with also the personality to go with it and he fits New York and I, I, I it's another time where I don't believe that I picture him going anywhere else and then you see like you didn't picture Tom Brady leaving New England and he ended up doing it but that was kind of written in the water for five or six years beforehand this just doesn't seem to me like he's writing anybody off but it also doesn't seem like he's writing anybody on and that's what the media is trying to take it's hard to it's hard to actually see judge leaving New York as much Mm -hmm. as I say it um that's just because that's the Yankee fan way of thinking you always think the worst for the team because over the last couple of years we've become used to we're not doing this we're not giving this guy the extra money and blah 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 so for judge the only thing is First of all, Randy Levine, the Yankees president, came out in a radio interview and said, oh, we're giving him whatever we can. We're going to match. He didn't say they're going to match the highest contract that he's offered, but they did imply it. But really what has to be seen is there has not been a player like like Aaron Judge. I keep saying Derek Jeter, and I don't know why. There has not been another player like Aaron Judge for the Yankees in forever. And – you can say Jeter and the core four and all this stuff. None of those guys had the judge a section of the outfield crossed off for them, mm-hmm. the judges' chambers. Imagine having to replace that after all those years. Sure, go check my Twitter. I have some funny ideas. But um, it, New York has – the Yankees have never bought into a player like they've bought into Aaron Judge from the moment he took off in 2017. So if they don't buy into him now, there's a problem. But as for what's going on in the season, because we'll get to, we're gonna have to talk about him at some point because mm-hmm. he'll sign a contract somewhere. But for what's going on right now, for what the media is doing, he's answering every question perfectly. And as many times as he's gonna say, because he's gonna be asked everywhere they go, oh, how do you think Baltimore fans are? How do you think Red Sox fans are? He's just gonna answer, hey, they've got some great fans, but. You know, we need that win tonight, or we glad we got that win tonight. So I'm not, it's just become secondhand as a Yankee fan. Like, you know it's coming. So 
if anyone's still overreacting to him saying stuff about fans, and I'm not saying you guys are, I just, I know we brought it up, but it's just like, all right, just move on because really is what'll happen is if he's going to come out public with any comments, it's going to be at the end of the year. He knows that the Yankees are have been on this chase for 28 for now 12 years and have not gotten it. He knows what's important here and what's important is a team because he's a team player. No matter where he goes, no matter how much money he signs for, he's going to be a team player. So, Judge, keep answering the questions how you want to and just hopefully he hits the record. And we were talking about it. We won't get into it here, but I was talking about it with Dylan Price on Bomber Boys at noon today. Uh, there's the plug. There's the plug, yeah. Yep. Judge actually has a legitimate chance for a triple crown and the home run record in one season. That's special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with his uh, kind of mindset to the to the New York and media in general, and we're obviously going to have to talk about it throughout the season. But to get to our NFL block for pretty much the rest of the show, we can get into the, the NHL on later shows. We want to save that for Josh, and preseason starts next week, so we can deal with that later. We'll get into... Last night's game on Amazon Prime, and we'll, we'll, we'll speak about what that was. But first, the storyline of the week was Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> rookie coach Funny. for the Denver Broncos with a new toy to play with under center, decides with a minute. And first of all, the game wasn't decided way before the one minute mark in the fourth, but whatever. Losing by one point with one eleven left, Hackett decides at a fourth and five to not only not trust his quarterback, who's won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, not trust his offense well, with a bunch of weapons in not only the backfield but out wide, to play for the field goal to take it down from 111 to 20 seconds with a kicker. Let me just read the stats real quick. His game winner, uh, his uh, career highest was 61 yards. This was from 64. He has not hit over 55 yards in a stadium outside of Denver or a domed stadium since 2016. So not only are you going in that route, but it's a non-dome stadium in Seattle, a little bit closer to a dome than most stadiums because it just has that one slit, but has not hit one outside of a true dome stadium since 2016. And you have a Super Bowl MVP, MVP level caliber quarterback, and you decide to play for the field goal, ultimately miss it. Seahawks, who might be the worst team in the NFL, Squeaks away with the win. Yeah, I was just about to say against who now? Against who? What team were they? Uh, were they playing against the Seattle Seahawks? And it's funny that uh, all the teams that we kind of projected to be the bottom feeders of the NFL, they came out and they won. Bears, Giants. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Excuse me. We'll, we'll get talk into about, that in a little. We'll bit. Talk about that Save later. It. We'll get that. In a uh, little Bears. Uh, I won't put say the, the Giants. Giants. Just put them there. Seahawks. Falcons should have won, but of course they blew a lead. Nothing new there. Um, oh, wait, wait. Just quick thing about that. 
Matt Ryan's ball. 283. For, I love that. In the I Hall of Fame is 283, and you can't make that up. because That, that might be my favorite my, yeah. my, my favorite fact of the NFL's history. But um, His ball is 283. Back to this game. They lost to Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that's that's embarrassing. You look at this this Broncos team, and this is a team that has been in yeah you know, kind of the middle ground of the NFL for the past few years while they've been in the transition era from Peyton Manning to the next guy in line, whether it was Paxton Lynch or Teddy Bridgewater or Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler. Drew Locke. Oh, was just Kendall Drew Locke. How could I forget about Drew Locke? <laughs> what about Hinton? He got the now start. That, yeah, Kendall, Kendall Hinton got one start. You can name him on the bridge list. But this is a team – that has been struggling to find their quarterback of the future ever since Peyton Manning retired. Now you finally get Russ, and this is a team, like I said, 7-9, 8-9, whatever. They've always been in that level of mediocrity, even with some terrible quarterback play. You get Russell Wilson. Not only do you just have Russell Wilson, you have an elite defense behind you. You have an offensive line that's more than serviceable. Your receiving core is made up of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. Obviously, Tim Patrick's hurt, but good receiving core. Double-headed monster at running back. Obviously, I, I like Javante Williams a lot more than Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon is a great second-hand man. I thought Melvin Gordon was going to be out of this league two years ago. I don't know how he's still here. I mean, there's still he's doing great. He's, he, he's an great. effective he's, runner. He's, he's got fumbling he, issues, as we saw in the game. But Nathaniel Hackett. The one major question mark coming into the season was the new head coach. And you see Packers offensive coordinator, and you think, hey, all right, this guy is going to be pretty decent. He worked with Aaron Rodgers. He worked with uh, LaFleur so Bob Green Bay. He worked with all these guys, high-scoring offenses. Nope. He comes in and coaches one of the worst games that I have ever seen coached in an NFL game. That clock management on that final drive was horrendous. I don't know what the game plan was in the final drive before that. It was just check down, check down, check down. Okay, crap, it's fourth down. Let's huddle up on fourth down with a running clock and a timeout or two. Can't remember how many timeouts it was, but let's It was uh, one by each yeah, team at the end. Let's uh let's huddle up. And you can I can't keep thinking about the Peyton Manning um, the Manning cast view of Manning uh, signaling for timeout. Time. All right, guys, let's call timeout. And he just keeps getting a little more anxious, a little more anxious, a little more anxious, because not only did – I think Russell Wilson was confused, but Nathaniel Hackett had no clue how to manage that situation. And if you're going to be an NFL coach, you need to be prepared for these situations. He had no clue what to do. He was lost. It was very obvious. He was there on the sideline while the huddle was going on, clock was running, and you could see in his face, he froze. And then finally, as the play clock runs down, you've wasted 30 seconds, calls timeout, and after going and paying away your future for your franchise quarterback who's won a Super Bowl, was legendary with the Seattle Seahawks, best quarterback in their franchise history, you send on your kicker? You don't do that against the Seattle Seahawks. Not to mention, that would have been the second longest field goal in NFL history. You took off a a quarterback that you paid your entire future for against a defense that is filled with rookies. Rookie guys that have never been in that moment in the NFL before. Russell Wilson has seen it all. From that Packers-NFC championship game where he overcame four interceptions 
to go and win the game with that final touchdown pass in overtime, he has seen everything. But you put it in the hands of your kicker to kick a well, they didn't near put it in the record. Hands of their kicker, they put him in the feet of the kicker. Uh, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> um, Nathaniel Hackett is trouble for this Denver team. Denver has it all this year, except for Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, I I was a little skeptical of what Russell Wilson brought to the table at this point of his career, considering that over the past few years in Seattle, he just didn't have that same flair to mm-hmm. him. He didn't have that same, you know. Wow factor, like oh my gosh, Russell Wilson, like can't tackle well, he this was guy. Bringing He's always... trash teams and trash yes, offensive lines. The, the, the offensive lines were awful. I will say that they were terrible, some of the worst in the league. But he had DK Metcalf, he had Tyler Lockett, mm-hmm. he had a pretty good running game a couple of years ago. He had one of the best running games in the league when Chris Carson had a fantastic mm-hmm. year, and they had a couple handcuffs behind and him. He's used to it with beast mode, but. I didn't see that same flair in him. And that was my one concern when he came to Denver. He's got a worse receiving core now in Denver than he did in Seattle. His line is better, obviously. Good running back punch again, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's a significant upgrade on the offensive side. What makes you think that Russell Wilson's going to come in and take this Denver team to a Super Bowl? And we saw week one that they've got a lot of work to do. If they even want to make it into the AFC playoff picture. But Nathaniel Hackett, question mark. I want to say two things, and they all boil down to this game being an absolute slap in the face to the state of Denver. Or not state of Denver, sorry, city of Denver. Um, And it it matters in, in Hackett being two different things. Number one, it's not like Russell Wilson went out there and threw four interceptions. It wasn't like he was throwing, you know, six of 26 with two fumbles and four picks. He threw 340 yards for a touchdown, zero interception, sacked twice, hit 10 times with a QBR of 50.9, not really that great, but it's one out of 100, and a QB rating of 153 of 101. It's not horrible. You saw in the beginning of the game he was overthrowing, underthrowing. He was trying to get his groove back on his new team, trying to see, you know, as as live is so much different than preseason or practice, trying to get a feel for his weapons. So he wasn't it wasn't like he was just throwing it around the yard and and getting, you know, horrible night. I w- I would be surprised if he had the same night against the Seattle Seahawks that Joe Burrow had in the beginning of the game against the Steelers. That would be a different story. But it's not like he wasn't doing, like, if he wasn't serviceable, then you can kind of understand it. He was serviceable, but he wasn't the elite quarterback. Well, yeah, I understand it wasn't Russell Wilson, and I'm not taking him off the hook. He has 16 more games to go and improve upon because, I mean, the deep ball wasn't there. He was significantly underthrowing the deep ball, Mm -hmm. overthrowing the deep ball, left, right, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, he was serviceable, but Denver's had serviceable for the past four years. Yeah, of course. And it's gotten them... Eight wins but, or below. But Russell Wilson averaged about a, a little bit over eight yards per play. It was a fourth yeah, and five. That's pretty good. Jerry Judy had 102 yards and a touchdown. Corlin Sutton had 72. Williams had 65. So you have the weapons that were, were, were playing well in that game. But it's not, it's not a weapons issue. It wasn't a quarterback issue. Why why are you playing for a field goal over a kicker that but, but I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to badmouth McManus but McManus isn't a deep uh, kicker he's a, he's a consistent short like from 50 below he hits uh now he I mean the thing is he is a bomb of a leg 
True. It's just a matter. I a had ma- no problem with it. With McManus, first of all, he was just wide. He had the distance mm-hmm. on. The he kick. did. Yes, he did both kicks too. Because but had the to thing is, twice. he he kicked it once, and you see that he missed <laughs> the first one. Yeah. Do you send him back out there again? No. I don't send him out there the first time. No, I mean obviously not. My you issue, wouldn't want to. My issue, first of all, Nathaniel Hackett was the only rookie head coach to lose this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I'm not saying with the best team that. Yeah, with the best yeah. team, a rookie coach. Wait, hold on. Have. Before before you continue, I just want to say the other thing because we talked about it during the the last semester when we had to make, you know, dedicate the show to him. We were talking about his impact. Nathaniel Hackett is 42 years of age. We have children who are 15 years of age who don't say they can make better decision better no than an NFL quarterback because of 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 Madden NFL no and this guy I don't know that clock management was terrible it, it was ter- it was terrible but you learned that as a child playing Madden and it was Look, around when he was the thing was is though we don't know up. we don't know what happened in their meetings during the week we don't know what they were talking about clearly if you look at the Giants, their plan was if they were in that situation down by one, they were going for two the whole way. So I don't know what the plan was in Nathaniel Hackett's mind and with the other coaches going into the game, but clearly their game plan wasn't to try to win it on a touchdown. I wouldn't be able to tell you why. Sure, if I was in Madden, am I kicking a 64-yarder? No. But a Madden and the NFL are two completely different things because if they went for it on fourth, and they didn't get it, I think a lot of people would be questioning, not a lot, not as many as are questioning this decision, but I feel like people would be questioning, well, you have McManus who can kick pretty far. Why not throw him out there and give it a chance rather than the fourth down? Look, I I don't know what Hackett was doing, but I my problem with that game is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson at this point is in it for himself and only himself. That's why he got out of Seattle because he knew they weren't going to win. And that's why he wanted a winning team. After the game the other day, I can't find it, but I saw it at some point. Russell Wilson sat in at his locker with the interview, with the media around him. And instead of talking about how he's got to play a little bit better, how he's got to make better decisions, blah, blah, blah. He sat there talking about one of his sponsors and how he was going to use his sponsor for recovery after the game. Russell Wilson at this point is in it for himself. And that's the biggest problem that Denver is going to have to overcome. Because if he's only playing for himself and he's playing selfishly, this team's not going anywhere. Well, I mean, the whole move to leave Seattle was selfish. Yeah, that's what I said. He could have stayed there and and, and went for the rebuild. And honestly, <coughs> excuse me, there was a lot of teams who were in the midst of a rebuild. I mean, as we're going to get to when we keep mentioning it, the Giants were one of those teams who were in the conversation for Russell Wilson, and he has the no-trade clause, so he chose where he wanted to go. And he chose a team that he thought that, number one, was interested in it because a lot of the teams that were up in the upper tier of the NFL wasn't really looking for a quarterback at that point that wasn't going through a strict rebuild. I'm actually surprised that that Pittsburgh wasn't the destination that he chose with the defense that they've kind of amounted. We could get that in another another day and time, but he chose Denver. And Denver has a, a very solid defense, a very solid future with very solid weapons and a good O line. Not the weapons aren't as you know stouted as DK Metcalf and Lockett are, but the future there is bright. And he decided to just take 
his talents elsewhere. And it's not, I'm not sitting here and detrimenting him for saying, hey, you probably weren't winning in Seattle because, I mean, the Broncos defense kind of made Geno Smith look like Tom Brady a little bit. Um, we'll get into to where he goes because he's probably plummeting after this game. But he wasn't winning in Seattle. And he's he's getting up there in age. His prime is leaving him. He wants to go win. But that's not the issue. He's leaving because the organization didn't give him enough after the Super Bowls to tell him that, hey, we're going to win. That's fine. I was fine with the leave. I was completely fine with it. And then all this stuff comes out about how he's talking about how, oh, his wife loves New York because of the... The, her her career and going to Denver kind of hurts that. He she he could have played out into her realm and we would be talking about a different story about him being controlled by Ciara. But we're not because he chose Denver because he is going to go and he went to a team that not only is primed to contend in a sort of stint where if they get the right guy or the, the right situation, they could contend in the division. It's going to be really hard. But he's also he's going to be that guy. Because if he went anywhere else that's not rebuilding, he might not be the number one guy. And he's, he's going to be Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. But if you go to Pittsburgh, the guy there is T.J. Watt. Even on offense, you have Chase Claypool, but realistically, the guy in Pittsburgh is T.J. Watt. There's other teams that you go to a different stint. I mean, obviously, you talk about the teams that are never going to get rid of their quarterback. But, I mean, nobody else is really contending. But if you go to those those teams, he's, he's, he picked one place that he's definitely going to be the guy. And he's going to need to play like an MVP level. And everyone's going to keep talking about him. That's why he picked Denver. And now coming out with all the sponsorships is a different story. I mean, yeah. At that point... See, yeah, I'm not convinced that he's even the same player that he was. But the thing is, one thing you mentioned, you said the future is bright in Denver. It's not. The future is not. They gave away their whole they have a future true. for him. They have a short window to win. They it's do. It's about two years. Uh-huh. I give them two years. If they don't win it, then they messed up. Yeah, they did. And I think they, I think they messed up anyway. But They sold their whole future for Russell Wilson. And I get it. You want an established starter to a team that you think is ready to contend right now. But like I said, there have been flashes of Russell Wilson exiting his prime the past mm-hmm. couple of years. And I get it. He's still a good quarterback. He's still a very good quarterback. But he hasn't shown the same wow factor that made him who he was during those great years with that Seattle defense. Those great years where they had some deep playoff runs. Obviously won that first Super Bowl in franchise history. Nearly won another. Speaking about that, you guys see the report that um, Russell Wilson caught an audible at the line um, mm-hmm. for that Malcolm Butler interception because he wanted Super Bowl MVP. Yep, I did not. There was an argument in the locker room well, about it. Well, that would just it. play it just straight got... to the selfishness yeah. point that we brought up. Now, who knows if that's actually true, but it's a little weird that that's that true. would have came to, yep. to the light. But that's all I got for I Russell say, Wilson. I think the Broncos are screwed. I would say with that, we should flip on to the – I think we should. Yeah, that's exactly what we was going to do. Of rookie coaches and one that, um, let's just say, realizes what his team is and realizes that if he doesn't make... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Are we going there first? I thought we were going to preview the game or, like, 
talk about the game yesterday. No, I was going to go to the Giants because we're talking we about a quick last recap. week first. We could yeah, do a quick, quick recap. recap. Patrick Mahomes looked good. I mean, uh, not that great in the beginning of the game. Then, then both became Patrick McCoy. from their normal. Performance. Yeah, both defenses get, look good at yeah. first. And I get that Austin Eckler kind of kind of Herbert got hurt the at the world. end, but yeah, he sh- also he hurt his team more by staying in. Yeah, and good hit by uh, Derwin whoa, James. Whoa, 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 yep. whoa, whoa, Yes, I'll that say That final uh, drive? Kind of, yes. No. Yeah. If you're injured. Did you see that pass? I did, but I did you to see the, the other Car- passes? Oh, no. Did you see where he could scramble for a first down, but then <laughs> Yes, pump, but pump he made faked, up for it. Pump take. He made up for it. Chase Daniels not making that throw on four fourth down. Times. Chase Daniels not making that. They, they, they lost anyway. both sides, Ch- They did lose, but you see the onside kick? They almost got the onside kick. That Oh wow! Would have been crazy if they got I just that. think that they shouldn't have been in that situation, seeing how the defense was clamping Patrick Mahomes in the beginning of the game. That pick and it six was so by yeah, Herbert was brutal. It was so t- yeah. to the point before that they were number one. They were driving ten to three to put it what up. What type of car were they driving? Got you, seventeen to three, and then you flip the script, and now actually wait, I think it was ten to nothing at that point because that made it ten seven, so. You're 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 gonna almost put away the game and then throw a pick six on the goal line. Air B. It was a pretty good jump by. I I am trying to read who. It was on Gerald Everett that yes. um. Well no no Gerald Everett. Do you see him? He was wheezing. He was trying mm-hmm. to get off the field because he was gassed because they were yeah. running a hurry up offense. Yeah. Brought himself back on the field. Gave up on the route. Now don't get me wrong. It wasn't a great throw by Herbert, but it was a terrible terrible play. By Gerald Everett, who seemed, yeah, mm-hmm. he gave up on it. And I don't think that was a read either because I don't like the fact that they were doing two curl routes back-to-back for each other because they had an out route and a curl route, mm. and Herbert decided to throw it basically when the like he turned right at it, so it basically turned itself into like a sit, which was two curls back-to-back. That That's in a road for trouble. So... I don't I don't like that fact, but it it wasn't a bad ball. It wasn't really a horrible decision. It wasn't the best, but it wasn't a horrible decision from Herbert. It was just, you know, a, a bad bad play after the ball was thrown. A great play by the defense. And I think it's worth just giving credit to Jalen Watson. He's the one who got the mm-hmm. pick six. Seventh, Seventh round rounder. pick, two pick two forty three. Was working at Wendy's. Was working yep. at Wendy's a few years ago. And here he is. Makes, I would say, probably the biggest play of his life to this point. Probably Thurs- just got himself uh, Thursday free night frosties. Fo- <laughs> Thursday night football with a nice new crew. It was confusing at times, but they'll re- the crew will work well together at some point. But. Yeah, and both of these teams are also going to be probably atop of their division, as we saw the Raiders well, aren't really living up to their... How Hackett yeah. managed game one, yeah. I'm still high on the Raiders, but I don't know if I'm that high anymore by seeing the week one. I want to see other things. But we will we will move on to, to what we uh we kind of marketed this episode to be. The yeah, NFC now we're leaving East the final show. thirteen minutes for it, so Well, I mean it was a lot of news that yeah. happened. You, you can't really fight that. No, then of course I went on a tangent about Judge again, but Yep. Things work out. So last week Grant, the Commanders fan, uh, we're going in fan mode now, Yep. said that a certain team would be the worst in the NFL. Okay, wait, wait. Can we can we go back to it where I, it was yeah, right, yeah. At, the end of, right at the end of the show? 
I said, watch the Giants beat the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Which I got met with poor reactions from not just Josh and Grant. You also, and you're also a Giants fan. And that's mm-hmm. when Grant then said the Giants would be one of the, if not the worst team in the NFL this season. Mm-hmm. So, Grant, I'm not saying you have to come back on that take. You can still believe it. It was mm-hmm. one week. We just want to know where your head's we at. We just want to know what you're thinking after Brian Dable's gutsy performance. Brian Dable and Saquon Barkley won in the game. That's all it comes down to. Okay, and Brian Dable is going to be a good head coach. This Giants team has a bright future. The heart and soul of this team resides in Saquon Barkley. And his knees. If he if, that's what I'm saying. If Saquon Barkley cannot be the workhorse that he showed that he could be this week and all throughout his rookie season, if he gets banged up, this Giants team is right back to where they were last year. Because Daniel Jones nearly threw away that game. He should have thrown away the game. The Titans, they didn't have a good game offensively. Tannehill was fine, but how much are you going to do with wide receiver one and Traylon Burks? They don't really know what to do with Robert Woods yet. They've completely misused him. Mm -hmm. Their leading receiver was Kyle Phillips. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Derrick Henry wasn't good. Um, Didn't really have that burst. And now I will say... It does usually take a couple weeks for Derrick Henry to get I mean, 21 going. for 82 seen, isn't horrible. It's not horrible, but not he's, he's their either. offense. It's he not is, 18 for 164. He is the soul of their offense. They're very similar teams, in my opinion. Saquon Barkley can be the guy, the lifeline of the Giants' offense, whereas Derrick Henry has established himself as really the only factor at this point in the entire Titans' offense. Ryan Tannehill can be a game manager. He's no more than Jimmy Garoppolo at this point in his career, I believe. Um but when Derrick Henry isn't averaging above four yards a carry, doesn't have any scores, that Titans team, it's a dead team. It is a dead team. They've I got a pretty good defense, but Saquon Barkley, if he runs like he does all throughout the season, this Giants team will prove me wrong. But I'm not convinced that he can handle a significant workload like that and not get injured again. And I understand he's had some really unlucky injuries the past few years, but there needs to be somebody else that can take some pressure off of Saquon's shoulders. When you're giving Kadarius Tony seven snaps, that's a problem. When you don't have a real wide receiver one, and like you said, Richie James was a bigger factor than Kenny Galladay, that's a problem. Wandale didn't see the field much. He got, that's he, a problem. He banged up his knee. Yeah. And yeah. it does not, he's doubtful this yep, week. Doubtful. Tony has a hamstring injury. He's questionable. But. My thing, first of all, I do want to say, Daniel Jones, yes, he did not take his eyes off of Saquon Barkley, that brutal interception. Which was one of his main problems that that he still hasn't That almost threw away the game. He also, right after that, Brian Dable was not happy, and Mm -hmm. he, he gave Daniel Jones a piece of his mind. But other than that, and I get that was a big almost turning point in the game, I didn't think Jones was too bad. A fumble on a pick. I mean, it's, oh, but if the you fumble saw, did was you see in the, the middle of the throwing okay, motion, I, I, I so I'm not the mad fumble at that was one. a rough fumble where the offensive line, the middle of the O line, which still needs some improvement, just Josh Azudu is terrible. He, he was did not really look bad. great. He looked better than the run. P- guess what his PPF grade was for uh, pass protection? Horrible. Zero point zero. Mm. Yeah, it was one of the lowest good. grades handed out. He was out. decent yeah. in the run, though. No, he was. 
Um, but as like, I don't think Jones had a horrible game. No. Is it the level of a starting quarterback in the NFL? It's a level of a low-end starting quarterback in the NFL. Will yeah. the Giants hope he gets better? Yes. Will he? We'll have to see. If I were the Giants, I wouldn't no. want him to get better. I'm going to well, tank yeah, this year and go get myself a franchise quarterback. I, but the thing is, based off everything that's coming out of the Giants, I, and I get it, they might tank anyway with what they have, but they don't seem like the team that they were at last year. This new regime has come mm-hmm. in, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and has put optimism into not only the players, but the fan base to the mm-hmm. point where – the Giants could have gone 0-17 this season. They could go 1-16. and They could lose the rest of the year. I'll still be satisfied. There's more optimism now than ever before, or at least in Jeez, the last 1-16 six years. 1-16 satisfied? That's crazy. I thought it was bad for me to be a commander. <laughs> Here's, but the thing is, it's because I think there's belief in Kafka at OC. There's belief in Dable at head coach. There's belief in Shane to do stuff. Look, and I Martin agree Dale with you. for the defense. I ag- and Wink. I agree with... I have the, a little piece on Wink in a minute. You keep going. I agree with the notion that Saquon Barkley is probably going to get hurt at some point this season. That or they're going to have to arrest him. So the thing is, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he goes down because that's when, look, the backup running backs, Matt Burita, eh. Some of the other guys there, eh. So really what's going to happen is Jones will become – the feature point of the Giants' offense if Saquon were to go down. And, that and that's going to be a problem. That's that's the turning point of the season. Now, it would be. Uh, okay, look, if Saquon does stay healthy, then I'll probably get proven wrong. The Giants will probably be a 5-6 win team. I'm waiting for a response. That's I, your I bar more. of a good team, I think man? If, I, think if I Saquon, said a better team. If Saquon stays healthy, you're looking at – Somewhere, I said of five seven or six. Or eight. Or f- ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, okay, okay. They have a fairly let's talk. Or, let's talk. Let's talk. talk. Let's talk about Wink's defense for a second. On that last drive, the Titans did what they could to get into field goal range. They left it in the hands of Randy Bullock. He missed the kick. Wink's defense. That nickel blitz that he ran on about seven straight plays is not going to work against a receiving core that does not feature Kyle Phillips, <laughs> Traylon Burks, rookie, first game ever, well, and Robert Woods, who is misutilized. What was and that? it's also because of the secondary being number number one. But that's one, the thing. That's Wink's defense, on. though. It's nickel blitz, leave your corners on an island. Aziz Ojolari or... Kayvon Thibodeau for the yes, first game. It's there, we don't, at wait, least wait, hold Thibodeau up, hold up. said I don't he like, he's going to be back Sunday. I don't like that idea because we don't really know what Aziz is. We don't really know I what think Kayvon I, is. I think I know what Aziz is. No, 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 no. You can think it, but we haven't seen enough of him on an NFL field to know what he is. He was injured I mean, for a, a large half portion of last a year. Lot, though. What? For, for a team that was taking and another guy having over – you know, I do like sacks that he had. He Williams. looks good. Ojolari, but we don't, ten and a half sacks is we don't not actually bad. But listen, know what he's going to be because he's wasn't there the entire True. year. And on top of that, you were at a whole different coaching staff. I think. Look how this coaching staff handles Kadarius Tony. Worse I, than last year, and last year was pretty bad. Yeah, I think he, here's here's my monologue. Right, I came into the week excited for one reason. And I literally came in. Grant, if you said nothing last week, it would have been the best case scenario because I walked into this season hopeful. with zero expectations. Yeah, now no, you have hope. absolutely zero. Well, I know, but now you're now you're hopeful. Absolutely zero. 
Kind of a little. Now bit. you're hopeful. Not, not I know much. I'm a Commanders fan. I'm hopeful too. We're not both one and zero. Not much. We're both one and zero, and now we have hope. Happened. This is the cycle of NFC East fans. You yes. win a game, and we get hopeful, yes. and then we get our hearts right, crushed. The, the reason I have more hope Continue. this year than if the when the Giants would have had if they had one win last year, kind of an easier schedule. Carolina's next week. Dallas doesn't mm. have a quarterback the week after. Mm. Chicago. Mm. Dallas's defense is going to drive the yes, Giants. Into it's going to be. I'm it's going to be a problem. But <laughs> Cooper Rush might win another. There's a chance for the Giants <laughs> to start off three and one, four now. Whoa, 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 whoa! We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, what am I talking about? It's Carolina. It's Dallas. They should have won. And it's the Bears. <laughs> the Titans should have lost or should have won that game. I know they didn't. I know they didn't. I know the they Bears didn't. Brian Dable coached a tremendous game. The Bears should have lost. And yeah. he he put uh, he put the game on the line with a two point conversion. They converted. Wink Martindale nearly lost them the game. Look, I, I get that. On, I get that. On, but on, to on, be on, in on, that hold situation, hold on. Yes. to even have forced that down thirteen at half, yeah. shows something about this team. It that's shows different. Heart. It shows here's, heart. Here's here's I get the it. monologue. They contain Derrick Henry. I get it. You got to give them their credit. Joe, continue. Here's here's where my monologue goes, and this is why that I didn't have any expectations. I walked into that game and I watched the first quarter. I wanted to turn it off. Yeah, it was the first time as a Giants fan. That I was literally, because I, I, I always prided myself as a person who keeps watching it, even if it's really hard, and last year was really hard. Oh, yeah. No, I it was too. the first time that I was like, hey, if I don't watch, it might help next year. <laughs> and then we come out of the break at half. Yep. And we get one of the most fluke plays with Sterling Shepard, I think he's 31, 32, whatever, who's not going to win you much games, but pretty much put Sterling ourselves. Shepard's thirty-one years old. How how old is he? He's like twenty-six, twenty-seven, somewhere around there. there. I thought he was he's, much older. Here, one second. I thought he was much I older. Believe he was there. How old is Sterling? He was Shepherd? there for about three years. My guess is twenty-seven, Odell. twenty-eight. I I, I thought 29. he was I, yeah oh. twenty-nine. It's higher than I thought. My so, bad, Joe. So, We're so in middle ground. Middle getting ground. A, I I knew he was older, but I thought he was much older than he actually is. Here we go. When, when you get that fluke play wide open, you get the defensive stops, then you have the Saquon runs, and and then you, you get put in a position where, okay, we might go for this thing. I thought we were just going to play for the tie. The first thing that, that last week taught me is Dable's the guy. We finally found the coach. I don't really care what happens in this season. I don't know how many games we're going to win. Just because of the situation and the rapport that he has with the players, not only in in game but in the locker room afterwards, I think we found the guy. I kind of said that last year with Joe Judge just because of the practice, but then I didn't see him in game do anything. I'd yep. seen Dable do stuff in game. That's number one. one number two, we did not deserve to win that game whatsoever, not in we, the slightest. And it wasn't for, <laughs> it wasn't because of Wink. I don't think it was Wink. You want to know what I thought it was? What? It was three or two or three defensive holding penalties by young corners who you might have had one number one corner if you decided to keep them. Well, but we, we, but they handed it off to the division they, they leader. They couldn't because of what Dave Gettleman put them in. This cannot be True. something that goes on all season where the Giants fans just keep going back and looking and like, we could have had Bradbury, we could have had this, we could have had that, we could have had Blake Martinez. Thank Gettleman. It's Gettleman's fault, yeah. and Joe Shane's just doing the cleanup work. It sucks, but Kenny Galladay ain't going anywhere. Seventeen million down the drain, right there. A year. Look, still hasn't had a touchdown. Look, 
It's absolutely pathetic, the situation that Dave Gettleman put the Giants in. But you're going to have these learning curves. You're going to have these stupid penalties. You're going to have some bad plays because they're young. And that's just what Giants fans are going to have to get used to because next year there is a slight raise in the cap. It's supposed to balloon, I believe, in two with the new media deal. But And the Giants do have a decent number of cap, but they have to keep pushing money back because of Gettleman. And look, that's why I said before, Grant, that 1-16 in 16 and I'd probably be satisfied because I realized that Joe Shane, Brian Dable, Wink, Kafka, they can't do anything really about what they were put into. And that's why just seeing how the players have reacted, how the coaching staff has reacted, how the fan base, I get it. It might be one win and it might be an overreaction, but they seem bought in again. I expect MetLife to be full this week. When was the last time I could have said that? Mm, A very long time ago, especially saying they're playing Carolina. But really, we can't keep sitting here and saying, Bradbury, Martinez, it, it's just, it's unfortunate. Dalvin Tomlinson had to walk. I mean, it's a bad situation that Gettleman put the Giants in, and Shannon's doing the best job he can, given what he's been put. So, sure, is Aaron Robinson going to get 700 holding penalties this season? Absolutely <laughs> he is. But are Giants fans still going to sit there oh, getting man. pissed off at each one of them, thinking they have a chance to win every game? You can 100%. bet that we will be because we know, or at least most of us realize, that this is not on Shane, this is not on Dable, this is not on the current regime. If anything, you can go back to ownership who's not changing. But really it all falls back on Gettleman and it'll be a year or two before you get the full Joe Shane experience as GM. Mm-hmm. And and to, to do you have something to say? No, I was just going to ask you guys score predictions for this week for uh, Giants and Commanders. It's not giant. No, oh. separate games. Yeah, just, separate just, games. I like that. I'd like to see where our division who, is. Can I ask who, who the, the commanders, commanders are playing? Lions in Detroit. Lions. I think it's going to be a closer game than you think. Yes. I oh, actually yeah. might the Lions think are that favored. the Lions might win. The Lions are favored for the first time I'd since the Lions. I'd say 24-20 Lions win. All right. The Lions did look good against the Eagles coming yep. back. So, commanders played Jacksonville week one? Yep. Yep. What was that final score again? 28-22. I feel like it's going to be right in that ballpark again, but I think it might be flipped, and I think the Lions will take the dub. Funny, Justin, funny, go funny. with the Giants and Panthers first. Giants and Panthers? I I think it's a low-scoring affair because it's the Giants' offense. Yeah. I'll go 21-13 Giants. Mm, I was going to go 17-14 Giants. Oh, okay, all right. So we're just going against the comedy. I'll do the same yep. thing. We'll do um, Commanders... Um, Oh, man, well, I was on Nolan Wick's show uh, yesterday <laughs> talking about Commander's scores. Um, what did I say? I think I said uh, 27-23 Commanders. Um, if you guys aren't showing any love to the Commanders, that's fine. I won't show any to the Giants. I'm going to say Panthers win it 23-16. Um, For fun, before we end, because I do yes. have to go make sure I get don't get mm-hmm. my car towed, just because Josh isn't here, let's do it anyway. Steelers, Steelers play the Patriots. Steelers, Patriots. I have the Steelers winning it, actually. Um, I have Steelers winning. I'll go 22-17. Weird score. TJ Watt scares me because he's not there. Yeah. But I don't think they necessarily need them for the Patriots. I'm going 21-10. I'm going to go Patriots because they're still my Super Bowl team. Because I well, made obviously. That <laughs> Well, um, I'll go. Josh is gonna go get his car, so that I'll go. He I'm not Josh, towed. but um, I'll go <laughs> 24, 20. 
I literally have your face in my mind, and for some reason, I still say Josh because it's I said because Josh I'm isn't so even used to here. saying like, Chevy. If Josh was here, okay. I don't understand why I do that. I don't know. It's just on my mind. Maybe you look like a Josh in a past life. I have no idea. <laughs> it, either way, Chevy is going to get his car. I'm just gonna not call you Justin. I'm gonna name you Chevy. I mean that works. So Chevy is going to get his car, and as I will. Finish with this. As a Giants and Commander fan, maybe Grant is scared from the Cowboys. Outside of Parsons, the Cowboys don't scare me. Uh, and the Eagles do. Commanders are kind of in the same level as the New York Giants. We're going to split. I think the Commanders right now are set up better than the Giants. Commanders yes. and Giants will split. It happens every year. You guys will beat us at home. We'll beat you at home. That's and that's where that's the NFC East episode of Phone Booth leaves. Thank you all for listening, Josh. I hope you were listening abroad on the plane. Probably not. We probably put you to sleep long ago, probably in the uh, Judge rant. Um, but for <laughs> Grant Sheets, Justin Chevalella, I am Joe Callahan Jr. We'll see you again 3.30 every Friday. Same time, same place, at least for us, next week. Thank you for listening.